Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I talk to Richard Patey, and we get deep into website investing. That's sort of his specialty. He's been in the industry for something like 10 years, and I didn't realize all the different things that he has worked on over time. And it's pretty cool to hear how he's sort of leveled up over and over again and pivoted and transitioned and, you know, slowly moved to an area where he enjoys the work more than ever, more than ever. We get into some of the details about what you should look for when you are buying a website. And then a few things you could do after you you purchase a website, or maybe, I mean, actually this advice works perfectly well if you just have a site that you've created on your own and you need to sort of rejuvenate it and you know maybe boost traffic, boost earnings and that sort of thing. We also get into the Amazon commission rate change and just dealing with the recession and how that may impact website investing in general. And I, I never really honestly paid too much attention to website investing since I came at this from really from like square one. I had no, you know, money to invest initially and I bootstrapped everything, worked on sites on my own, didn't really outsource too much at the very beginning and just grew my own site. So I wasn't really thinking, hey, I have hundreds of thousands of dollars to invest and I'm going to buy a website. So I never really thought about that area of it. And maybe since I have that bootstrap mindset, I'm really not, I mean, even right now, I'm not thinking, hey, I want to go buy buy huge websites or anything really expensive. Also, I guess I'm kind of cheap and a little bit frugal. And I think I, I have started running into people that want to invest. And, and typically it's someone, at least the folks that I know, sort of later in their career, they've been pretty successful. They have excess money, great problem to have. And they're thinking, hey, I want to diversify. I already have real estate. I already have stocks. And I feel good about that stuff. And I kind of want to play around, maybe learn a new thing. And I have a lot of money to go buy a website. And I've been contacted many times over the years to perform either due diligence. Actually, a lot of people are interested in trying to partner with me to run their website, which that's some of the stuff that Richard got into, by the way. And we, we both talk about why, you know, it's not a good match for either of our personalities, which for me, I couldn't imagine the stress <laughs> that I would go through just knowing that someone was basically 100% relying on me to earn their return or in, and basically grow their site. So anyway, very interesting conversation. I want to point out that Richard has a free newsletter out there and a paid newsletter. So it's kind of an interesting business model that, that we get into you can find the link in the description in the show notes here, but it's it's hosted over at Substack, which is a, I guess, a service, a platform that I didn't know existed. It's pretty cool. It looks very interesting. I don't know if it's the right fit for me, but it looked interesting in as far as like the specific platform. I think, like I said, I don't know if it's a good fit for me, but at least the business model and the ideas behind it something I haven't seen before. And I it definitely makes me look at some of the content that I put out and maybe, you know, maybe I shift in a direction like that. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not making any decisions right now. So definitely check that out. I'm trying to think if there's any other announcement type things going on. No, I can tell you that uh, I am recording this in my childhood home. I'm visiting my uh, parents right now back in the Atlanta area so it's been uh, it's been a kind of a rainy, dreary day in the summer, and I usually get out. I don't have my dog with me right now. I usually get out, walk around for a little while in the morning, usually a few miles. And since it, you know, I I have been walking outside, even though I don't have the dog with me. But since it's raining, it's kind of keeping me inside, and it's it's one of those rains where it's not like a constant, you know, mist or or, or rain. It's like Nothing will come down for a while, maybe a few drops here or there, and then there'll be like a gentle downpour for like one minute, enough to completely soak you. So I'm a little nervous to even walk around the block, the, the half mile, because I know if I get stuck out there, even just for a minute or two, I can completely get soaked. So I may venture out in a, in a little bit because I'm getting a little stir crazy. I think I only have like 
500 steps and it's almost noon right now. Man, driving me crazy. Usually I have like, you know, 8,000 steps by now. And I, I track my steps, by the way. So, okay. I think I'm going to send it to the interview now. Thanks a lot to Richard for uh, spending the time with me to chat about website investing, check out his newsletter and all that. This episode is brought to you by Ezoic. Ezoic is a Google certified partner and they've recently rolled out their new site speed accelerator. Basically, it speeds up your, your site. It makes it load faster and you really see a huge improvement most of the time with the Google PageSpeed Insight score. Now, if you already have a high page insight score, then it's not going to go up as much. But I had experience with uh, one of my sites. Basically, it went from the high 20s, low 30s to the high 90s just by implementing the site speed accelerator. Now, a few people have asked me about using Ezoic and basically using their DNS. The best way you can use the site speed accelerator and Ezoic in general is to use their DNS. And the reason why is you're able to use their caching and their CDN. That's a content delivery network. Basically, those are services. Those are things you would typically have to pay for separately, but it's included with the site speed accelerator. There's a free seven day trial. So I encourage you to check it out. Again, people are concerned about using the DNS of some other third party, but basically if you use a CDN that is what you do. That That's like the thing that happens. If you use a CDN, you have to use another DNS and things are loading sort of outside of your normal registrar and your hosting account, but it helps your site load faster. So it's sort of implicit. And I do it myself. So I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you're using a CDN, then you're using other servers to load your site anyway. This is a site speed accelerator, so you need to use caching in the CDN. Thus, you have a much faster loading site. So there's no harm in checking out the free seven-day trial. And thanks again to Ezoic. Hey, what's going on? It's Doug Cunnington here, and I'm with my friend Richard Patey. Welcome, Richard. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on, Doug. Of course. And we've we've actually known each other for a few years, but we haven't caught up in a while. So it's good to you know hear your voice and see you live here. For the people that don't know you, can you give us a little bit of an intro? Yeah, sure. I mean, I've been doing this online entrepreneurship thing for about 10 years. You want to go right from the beginning or what I'm currently doing? Let's hear what you're currently doing, and then we'll definitely unpack how you got into this industry. All right. So the main thing that I'm focused on is a new publication about website investing. And it's a weekly email, it's a weekly podcast, and it's got some additional features for paying subscribers. And that's now my my full-time uh, full focus, which uh, is going well. I'm enjoying that. But previously, I've been building and selling content sites and uh, a lot of other things previously as well. But the, the one constant that I'm uh, doing right now is everything that I'm doing is, is within the space of website investing. Very cool. And... I'm very curious about this stuff you're working on now since it's it's a different it's a different approach than a lot of people are taking right now but we'll get to that later because I I am curious how you initially got into websites and and working online in general 10 years ago. Sure. Sounds good. Yeah, so go go for it. Tell us <laughs> how did you, how did you get in there? Yeah. I mean, how did I get into it? I mean, it was uh it was more I was working a job and I didn't want to be doing that any anymore. I was turning 30 and I was just thinking, what what am I doing with my life? Uh, I was working in the charity sector and uh, I, I wanted to start making money. Uh, I didn't feel like I was having an impact. So I, I turned 30, freaked out, quit my job, uh, set up a company, not knowing anything uh, in terms of what I was doing. Never really made, in fact, I don't think I, maybe I was doing a tiny bit of like consultancy on the side at that point but had never made any money online. But uh, end of 2009, quit my job, had a company, and just been trying to figure it out since. So the things I, I started doing uh, at the beginning were WordPress websites, bit of graphic design, but then I quickly went into SEO when I uh, started learning that and realizing how valuable that was as a skill set, started uh, offering that to, uh, to clients. And so the first three years of my journey was doing client work, 
and got to a point where I was making enough money doing that. But realized uh, me and clients are not a good fit. I didn't enjoy that. I don't like having clients. And so sold the clients to another agency and went off traveling for a bit, wrote a book uh, about that kind of first three-year journey, which uh, like I, I saw that you recently had Dan Andrews, Dan Andrews from Tropical MBA uh, that you were talking with. And I hadn't realized that because he has a concept of the first hundred days. And I hadn't actually realized that that actually applied to me. I thought, because I've been going like 10 years, that's that's a lot more days than than a thousand days. But looking back, uh, and I just kind of recently updated my about page, uh, I hadn't realized that in that first three years, I had actually replaced my income. But it's just that I, I also uh, chose to sell that income and, and move on into something else. I wanted to move into products. I had enough for clients. Uh, and then started working on my own projects. The first one was, uh, you know, I read the four hour work week around that time, 2012, 13, and wanted to try and create a muse. And so I did that through a dropship. Well, I tried to, to create a muse for a dropship uh, store on, on Shopify. It was selling panorama prints that people took on their iPhone. Got that to about one, a uh, couple, maybe like 1500 bucks a month. I kind of maxed out the the keywords and the, and the uh, search traffic and everything I could do with my skill set at the time. Ended up selling that on Empire Flippers. And that was the first time that I realized that I could build and sell assets. And so that kind of flipped the way that I was thinking. And that, then I started thinking, well, what other kind of businesses and assets can I create? What am I best at? What do I enjoy? What I, what I not want to be doing going forward? So just like I didn't like having clients, I also didn't like having uh, customers and dealing with customer support and suppliers and all this kind of stuff. So I realized that the thing that I think I'm best at is content and ranking and getting traffic. And affiliate marketing was just a very natural fit for me because I had the least variables. You didn't have to uh, to, to speak or, or deal with, with any customer support. So started getting into content sites, uh, built one around a software product, around funnels. Uh, 2017 ended up selling that. The investor that bought it wanted to keep me on and, and we set up a, a partnership where I would keep operating it and building it up. And, and then we flipped it a year later, doubled the asset price and got a low six figure exit with that. And then thought, okay, that experience was, was cool. I started working with investors, realized that I had the ability to to, to work with other people with money as the operator. This is ending up a quite a long <laughs> story. And then started offering my services as a website operator, as a content site operator to other investors. Ended up operating a bunch of other websites, realized that wasn't a good fit for me either. So just like I, I kind of wanted to move away from client relations and then customer support and, and suppliers, I also kind of wanted to move away from investor relations. And then started creating media products uh, like a Facebook group, a podcast, flipping websites. Ended up selling that to Alpha Investors, Andre, in 2019, which is the, the hat that I'm wearing. And uh, and then 2020, I, I've created a new publication on a platform called Substack. And it's a free newsletter and then premium features for, for paying customers. I, I do a deals email every week where I find the best content site deals uh, across the market. And I just launched a new podcast a couple of weeks ago. But this has all now come together and in a way where it's a very natural fit. Like I feel like I'm best at creating content, writing an audio, monetizing it and, and like having subscription monetization as well as advertising it is a real, really natural fit for me. It's going very well. I can see it scaling uh, much bigger and to the point where I, I make other people involved as, as writers. And it kind of feels like the place that I always should have ended up in or, or got to sooner. But uh, yeah, that's that's a long answer. <laughs> that's good. There's so many layers and, you know, you started in drop shipping, you picked up a few skills here and then, you know, you, you grew and you pivoted and you kind of have grown with the market and kept sort of trading up. And I think it's it's interesting you mentioned the thousand day rule and right about three years, like it it kind of holds up. Maybe there's some survivorship bias, but a lot of people that you talk to, two to three years, maybe a little bit more, depending on how much they focus. But yeah, it's pretty awesome. Now, you have been in the industry of uh, sort of flipping things and you mentioned a couple of the triggers were really about working with customers or clients. And I think you and I are similar in that way. It's great when you have a good client, but there's really a pretty low percentage of great clients. Some of them are average and some of them are kind of a real headache to deal with. So yeah. I can imagine that you you were 
operating some websites and you thought, well, this is a little different. This is perhaps a higher end type customer. It's an investor. They have money. But I guess what kind of stories do you have about working with clients <laughs> or customers, sure. uh, even from the beginning? Because I know, you, you know, you don't want to throw anyone under the bus that you've worked with in the last couple <laughs> couple of years, you know, it's a small yeah. industry. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I've ever had a truly enjoyable, you know, time working with for a client, which makes me think that maybe the problem is was me <laughs> and not the client. So, I mean, like I, I am the one constant. So it's just not a natural fit for me. And uh, yeah, I mean, anyone working in service businesses has had interesting stories with, with clients. Working with, with investors, it's um, it, it's a different type of relationship what i didn't like was the responsibility of you know maintaining their websites feels like the the google updates recently are a lot more harsh i wasn't really able to sleep well at night thinking okay am i going to wake up in the morning and traffic is tanked 40 percent or started to dip after a google update and am i going to have some angry people you know blaming me for losing their capital so you know some people that's a very natural business for them to go into i know dom at onfolio is, is doing exactly that and and that's great, but it, it, it wasn't for me. But public publishing is and having paid subscribers is just a really great fit. And I just need to focus on adding the most value to free and paid subscribers. And uh, I can set that up in a way that, you know, in terms of the relationship, how, how I want it. And I can, you know, manage the access to me in, in the best way that, that I have in terms of previous businesses. And so uh, this is a, a much better place for me. Indeed. Yeah. And I think um, like, like you mentioned, Dom, who was on the show uh, recently, I don't know if I could handle the stress of having like other people's money and they're relying on me to make to protect it and not just protect it but to, to grow it and you're dealing with basically Google updates where we don't really know exactly what the trigger is. It's some sort of holistic, like all encompassing thing that they're looking at probably, I, I don't know, but it's really hard to determine the issue and then fix it. There's like too many issues or it's just a mystery. So uh, it, I don't know how he sleeps, yeah. but um, yeah, it seems like he's doing a great job with it. <laughs> Dom hires really well. So, you know, he always builds a team that will have a lot of the responsibility. But yeah, for me, I was the operator. And, you know, once you get hit by a Google update, that doesn't mean that you can recover. It doesn't mean that you've done something wrong or you're not doing something that competitors are doing that were not affected or, or that benefited. Sometimes you just can't get a site back. And, you know, having to, you may not even be able to explain that properly to to some investors if, if they're new. And so... Yeah, I, I could just see the the downside risk of of me doing that, and, and it wasn't a business that I that I wanted to, to do going forward. Yeah. Moving forward into the recession that we're in, I think we can call it a recession since it's like two quarters of declining, uh, you know, economy. What have you seen? Just the word on the street with this, as far as investing and money in the market, money coming out of the market, and that sort of thing. I think that, you know, the, the buyer demand has reduced slightly. People are, are more wary of pulling the trigger on bigger deals. I think that there is more supply coming through in terms of, of people listing their deals, but the, the prices are not dropping yet. People are not feeling the crunch yet. Like a question that, that I've had been, been wondering is like, how many site builders do you, do you think do this on the side and, and have a job, have a full-time job as well. I, I would think likely probably more, you know, 50% or, or more, something, something around that. And so, you know, in, in the UK, we have government support. We, we have furlough schemes, which is a word that I never knew previously. You know, we have this around the world. And so whilst people are being supported and businesses are not going under, I think people are assuming that, you know, maybe this coronavirus is just a blip. But I'm, I'm seeing it as, as a very big global impact. And yeah, like, like you say, you know, I guess, you know, we're into the second quarter of, of a recession now, depending on how, how you count it. But this has the potential to be huge. This has the potential to be a prolonged depression. And so I think that once the government support goes for propping up people's salaries and people start, you know, really feeling a hit with their incomes, People are going to have to start liquidating assets and getting converting assets into cash. And 
So I think websites are no different. And I think that people are going to be having to, to sell their, their websites at some point and accepting lower multiples. I think the multiples are going to drop significantly over the next three to six months. And it would already be a buyer's market if sellers were not feeling pain yet. Mm-hmm. So I think the pain is about to, to come. If you are wanting to sell your website or having to sell your website, I think it's going to be at far lower multiples that we were used to, to seeing, you know, like 2017, 2018, it was all sub 30x. It's only, you know, 2019 and, and you know, the start of this year was the highest it's ever been where, you know, previously you would never think about a, a multiple starting with a four. But, you know, 40x plus, you know, we're starting to see that. So I think that's going to disappear for quite some time. And I, I think we could easily see sub 30 being being the new norm where, you know, last end of last year started this year you know 34 36 was was pretty common which uh with you know i don't think it's been more core uh, google updates but i think their impact has been more heavy and so i, I don't really understand how you could pay more than two to two and a half years of profit in the future when it's so uncertain so yeah that's my take I I agree 100% with especially the last statement there where I I was really surprised at some of the multiples and some of the prices. Now s- some websites have a little bit more of a diverse traffic um, source. Maybe they have a few sources. Maybe they have more Pinterest coming in, and then maybe they they have a few other sort of uh, revenue streams too. So there's there's some sites like that, but I was seeing kind of like what you're you're saying is just people were paying a whole lot and really we can kind of rely that there's at least going to be a couple or more core google updates and it's a crapshoot i mean we have no idea what's going to happen and i've seen sites drop and then come back higher than they were and then drop again and when you look at uh, some of the analytics and the data that you can get out there from like hrefs for example it's pretty surprising. So yeah, I I think um, I think you're right. Yeah. So go ahead. Yeah, I, I've been hearing people say that at the moment, Ahrefs data in terms of search traffic and the search graph may not be as accurate as it was previously. I, I have no idea. But you know, so every week I look through all the content site listings across the marketplace on Flipper and Empire Flippers on Investors Club, and you know last Wednesday, you know eighty percent plus of the deals that I looked up in Ahrefs were very badly hit by the May 4th update, you know, like significantly dr- massive drop showing in Ahrefs. And so I can't recommend something if if I have a graph saying that it's dropping, you know, I need to wait to see what happens, uh, what's reported on in May uh, before I can recommend a site. So there's very few sites to recommend, but an 80% look of every site that I looked up appear to have dropped, which is bizarre and uh, makes me, you know, wonder where that traffic is going. <laughs> Now, is it going to the far bigger publications? That's something I, I need to look into. But this update seems to uh, have been just as bad as November 8th, which crushed some sites. So these updates, like they're, they're having much bigger effects. And it does feel like a crapshoot to me. It, it does feel like there's so much, uh, I don't know, you know, luck. It's an algorithm. You know, it's it's programmed to do something. But I don't know why some sites get hit and others don't. So, and that feels like the new normal. Whereas previously, you could kind of assume that sites would maintain and do okay over the years, but I don't think you can assume that anymore. Right. At least on on the small on the lower end. Indeed. One uh, just to dig into the weeds a little bit with Hrefs. I know a few of my sites. It looked like it was a very dramatic drop, um, like in November and then in May. However, it was much more muted in terms of like real traffic. So it looked like traffic dropped by 40%, but it really only dropped by like 12. So just the way the the data is interpreted, you know, who knows how the algorithm works on the href side, but. Yeah, I mean, do do they then, uh, you know, go back and update their data and make it more accurate over time? Because I'm I'm having a look at some sites that I remember got destroyed by the November 8th and still looking like they got destroyed. (laughs) It's hard when you're doing due diligence and uh, an update has just happened and you're looking to acquire or you're in the process or maybe, you know, you've you've sent your money into escrow and you're in the inspection period. And, you know, Google Analytics is looking 
it's looking okay, but you know, Ahrefs is showing a big drop. I don't know. I, I would, I would, that would, that would uh, freak me out a little bit. Um, yeah, yeah. And and when when you look at the Ahrefs organic traffic estimation, I guess where does that stand as far as the real traffic? Usually, I see it to be you know something like half or maybe a little bit mm-hmm. less of the actual traffic. So is that kind of what you see, or is it a little different? Yeah, I, I think like. Uh, I would assume 50 to to 100% percent more. Uh, so it's traffic based on, on HRS. Sometimes it can be accurate, but um, yeah, somewhere between 50 and 100% more feels a good amount from what HRS is saying to to actually the search traffic site is getting. Yeah. Okay. And let's uh, sort of shift. I mean, we're kind of already talking about it anyway, but I get a lot of inquiries. People actually want me to do what you used to do and manage sites, maybe perform due diligence and take on that role of a, of an advisor. And I, you know, I don't want to work with clients, so I never did it, but for people that are looking for sites, what are a few tips that you can give them? It sounds like, you know, check out Ahrefs and see the, the trending data that's coming in. What are a few other areas people should definitely look at? For people, for investors wanting to get into the space to buy a site and have it managed by someone else or uh, just to buy a site, potentially manage mm-hmm. themselves yep. or to have someone else manage. Yep. I mean, yeah, the, the search traffic trend is, uh, is an important one. And, you know, you, you always need to get access to, to Google Analytics, read-only access and actually see what the true data is. But in terms of looking up a site initially in, in Ahrefs, uh, and it's all such as Ahrefs, then the actual, the, the trend of the search traffic, and more importantly, if you know that there's been a, a Google update, does the site look to have been affected negatively by it? Uh, so Ahrefs is not, as, as we mentioned, uh, 100% accurate, but that would be a big, you know, uh, orange flag at least for, for me to, to be very wary and, and make sure that, you know, traffic and revenue is, is, is going to be there over the next month. So, you know, look out for, for Google, Google updates and, and whether the site that you're looking to acquire has been badly, has been hit and will be badly hit going forward. And if a site is trending down, then it's it's often better to wait for it to stop uh, dropping and to um and to bottom out before before you look to acquire because you don't know where that that's going to end and uh, yeah you you can run into to some problems if if you think that uh, you, you've you've caught the knife and, and you you've done well but it, it it can continue to drop afterwards so I personally wouldn't buy a site that has been hit by an update and is continuing to drop uh, I would wait for that to bottom out. Uh, for for a good month and then price at that new level. Other than that, uh, the the kind of uh, the more obvious ones is how traffic is uh, distributed and spread out across the pages. You don't really want to buy a site that has uh, the, the number one page greater than 30, 40% of all search traffic because you're too dependent on that one page. So you want to see how dependent uh, the site is for in terms of the top 10 pages. Also for the top keywords, are there you know a handful of keywords that the site is dependent on for the majority of its traffic? So you just want to make sure that you know organic keywords are well spread, that the, the search traffic is well spread across the pages. And then in terms of backlinks, you want to make sure that things are not overly optimized in terms of anchor text and whether the site looks natural compared to the competitors in that space. And then you know you you can then make a, an assessment of of can you bring the the lev- you know the skills required or the level of investment to correct that, or do you want to just only buy a clean site gotcha. and, and a safer and a safer site? And then in terms of upside, there's a lot of things that, that you can look at. And I'm happy to talk about that. Yeah. And yeah, you could just launch right into some of those um, you know key things that you can implement, hopefully on the early side after you acquire a site. Sure. So yeah, I mean the. There's a number of upside things. I mean, the the quickest ones is if you can make optimizations to revenue and conversion rates. So if you see a site that is that doesn't have good conversion rate elements, if it has a if it lacks a like a featured product table above the fold, or if it has a table that doesn't uh, minimize uh, doesn't uh, scale well on mobile and, and uh, people on mobile can't see the buttons or can't click through to Amazon if it's an Amazon site. Then you know you know you can fix that. You can increase the the conversion rate and you can increase revenue. That will increase the asset price and then that's a very quick win that will increase your revenue and give you the ability to flip the site going forward if you want to do that. So conversion rate is the quickest one. With search traffic, if you buy a site that doesn't have a, a great backlink profile, if it doesn't have 
particularly high domain rating, but it has a lot of keywords that are ranking on page two or page three. Maybe you could do some some link building to those inner pages, boost those up, get them to page one. Uh, that could have a big impact on search traffic. If it's a huge site that has hundreds, or if not thousands of pages, or it's really bloated the Google index with a lot of stuff that shouldn't be in there, like tags, uh, maybe some categories, author, sitemaps. There was a bug with Yoast a couple of years ago that put all the images in the uh, Google uh, uh, index. You can still see sites that have that, that haven't corrected it. So like getting rid of stuff that shouldn't be in the Google index can be, you can get some great upside there. Also, if you're buying a site that has a thousand pages, but maybe only the top 50, uh, maybe the top 50 bring in 90% of search traffic, then you can do a lot of pruning and maybe even reduce, you know, two thirds of all the content in the Google index, you know, delete those pages. Um, if they had good, if they have good content, you could then repurpose it, add it to an existing page consolidate if any of those pages have links you can you can redirect them to to pages that are doing better and i've seen some case studies where you can you can double search traffic by uh, deleting and, and pruning uh, a lot of content so yeah there's a bunch of stuff that you can do to to get upside you want to buy a site that is already solid at a good price where the upside is like a bonus the upside that you can bring is a bonus so you don't really want to price on the fact that you can deliver upside because it's never uh, guaranteed and, and and also during that time the site could lose traffic um, so you, you want to make sure that you can really get ahead by getting you know actually benefiting from the upside that, that you can deliver yeah awesome that'll be a great highlight clip on youtube so that that was so oh. actionable it's like a flow chart you buy a site or even if you have your own site and you're like what should i be working on there's probably, you know, seven things you just mentioned where, you know, you should be able to find two or three for almost any site out there. So very awesome. Good. Thanks. I've just found a couple of others. Like I've got like SOPs that, that I have uh, within the publication. It's for paying subscribers. So like keyword cannibalization is, is a good one. If you can reduce that, if it, that kind of that plays in with the content audit, um, like reducing the number of pages. If you can combine two pages that are competing with each other, you can get a big boost. Uh, especially if they're on page two competing, you can get them to page one. And also uh, like stealing people's featured snippets is a good one too. You can get quite a bit of upside there and uh, you can do some some fun stuff with that. But I think that's pretty much, and also, yeah, like Surfer, uh, like tools like Surfer SEO for optimizing on page. If uh, if the content you're, you're buying uh, with the site is, is not you know perfectly optimized yet in terms of keyword density and LSI keywords, then you can just quickly run content through a tool like Surfer, you know, just actually follow what it says, add or reduce the number of, of terms and perfectly optimize it and, and you'll get upside there. So, but I think that's pretty much the, the, the 80, 20 of that. Yeah. Awesome. And just a simple thing. I bought a site earlier this year, pretty small. That's kind of what I aim for. And the grammar was terrible. So I just went through with Grammarly, maybe tweaked, I don't know, a couple of the titles here and there, a couple of the subheadings, and there was a definite lift in just weeks. I mean, it was amazing because on-page changes just happen so fast. The impact shows so quick in the, in the rankings and in the uh, traffic in general. Just by improving the grammar? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I t uh, well... I, I lumped in a couple of things, but I improved the yeah. grammar and tweaked a couple of the subheadings, but no major like audit kind of thing. So interesting. Do you think that's because Google noticed that and, and uh, likes to boost sites that have better, better content, better grammar? Or do you think it was more people who landed on the page uh, were appreciating the content more and trusted it more? I hadn't thought about that as as a way to increase traffic or, or, or rankings but i know you know a lot of content producers they use tools, tools like hemingway to make sure that their content is at the right level of of uh, complexity but that's interesting yeah and i think it's probably a combination of the two and i probably got it in my head a few years ago that the grammar is is quite important but it does i mean you'll get better visitor interaction if it's written well and i mean there were just some misspelled words like kind of just poorly written content that I just spruced up a little bit. So 
All right. I, yeah. You know what? I may have thrown in some more internal links, but it may I can't remember if it was already... You could throw out yeah. my data. I did like 10 things probably, and I just forgot. So Yeah. I mean, well, readability is... I mean, it may not be a ranking factor, but it's definitely, you know, like a person <laughs> factor for, uh, you know, someone being able to get through your content and consume the content and then, you know, take the action and, and go to the affiliate link or click an ad, for, you know, like stay on the page enough to click an ad. So, like readability um, is definitely something that that is very important. You just don't want to just throw up three thousand, uh, you know, words and not have any any structure to it. Yeah, indeed. So Amazon just changed their commission rate structure in the last month, and there was a lot of buzz, especially in my community. A lot of people were very upset. Some people thought, hey, this is just business. We have to roll with it. So from an investor standpoint, and the word on the street with the folks that you hang out with, what's the feeling out there? Are people really freaking out? I mean, it's great for investors, right? As long as you weren't closing on a deal just as that happened, then you're buying sites with the same level of traffic for, for a lot less. But for, for sellers, I mean, it's brutal. But it's given people the motivation to, to look to find if there are better paying affiliate programs and increase the number of affiliate programs that, that their uh, site um, is is using you know not just having one which is Amazon so I've never liked being dependent on Amazon I moved away from Amazon a couple of years ago I got you know kicked out I got my account closed a couple of times so that was frustrating it's much better to have 10 or 20 different affiliate accounts which is what you end up if you are building sites that promote software each software product has their own affiliate account it has its own you know uh, quirks and features as uh, as Doug, uh, the car guy on YouTube would say, not a different Doug. You know that guy, Doug Monero, is that his name? Doug Demero, big, big YouTube, big car YouTuber. I've but, heard um, of him, but yeah. I, I'd never watched anything. Yeah. So every affiliate software platform will have different metrics that it shows you. Will have different ways of promoting different assets, and it, I, I think having I've got a huge spreadsheet of you know. 50 different affiliate programs that that I are active or I've used over the years in terms of software products and yeah I think I think that makes you a better affiliate marketer when you you're promoting from different platforms and different products and not just focused on one uh, one aspect because there, there's a way that you convert Amazon and it's kind of solved uh, you can hire companies like Convertica to to put up the best conversion rate structure for an Amazon associate page but it's it's not solved outside of that, you know. If you're running direct e-commerce products elsewhere or software products, I think you have to think a bit more creatively. And at the end of the day, you're just not dependent on on one. So I think it's brutal brutal for sellers. I mean, it's super rough, especially with the timing, with, with the pandemic. But I think it will make people more resilient. And I mean, just depending on Amazon is the most fragile that you could be anyway. So I think in the long run, it's it's a good thing. But yeah, but for buyers, I mean, it's um, it's a good opportunity, especially if you can bring a skill set and know that you can move away from Amazon and make more money. But that's easier said than done, yeah. Right, yeah. And I was surprised once I started looking this last time around in the last month at other affiliate programs and companies want to sell their products. So a lot of times they have a direct affiliate program or other retailers do too. Amazon's not the only one in in town. Mm -hmm. I mean, we ended up ordering a lot of stuff, not from Amazon because the shipping wasn't any faster and it's a better deal somewhere else. So there was no real reason, a good reason for us to order from Amazon because it was cheaper elsewhere and we can get it shipped faster. So of course, uh, yeah. due to the pandemic and some of the shipping issues, but at the same time, it really opened opened my eyes. And like you said, a lot of people are going to be looking at other uh, revenue streams and I think you're right. Software is so scalable and they want to sell, they want to sell their stuff so bad. I probably get an email every single day from someone either wanting to be on, on this show or the podcast or whatever. Like they just, they want someone to talk about their product. So do you see a lot of that too? That's interesting. No, I haven't. Um, okay. I mean, well, you will there now. could be some, some sponsorship there for, uh, <laughs> For, for my newsletter. No, I haven't really had too much of of that. I mean, I've, I've had some outreach emails saying, we see you have this page. It'd be great to include our product on that page. And I've been able to leverage that. I've not been able to sell a placement yet. Obviously, you've got to be careful with, with the you know selling links. But um, 
But I have been able to leverage and say, yeah, sure, if you can create some unique content and then I copy and paste it in the page, that's one of the benefits of having a direct relationship with with uh, companies like software soft, software companies. You can you can kind of set your own terms. You can't obviously do that with something like Amazon. So um, it's just a much stronger position having more affiliate accounts and you've got to diversify. I mean, there's, there's no reason not to add an ad network to your site. Uh, you don't have to have it on your main pages, on your you know main hub pages or landing pages but you know you, you can at a minimum you know if, you, if you've got 10,000 sessions a month and, and you get approved on a Zoic you couldn't be making at least five dollars per thousand visitors and typically 10 15 and, and 20 and maybe even higher and you know you, you're going to be making at least another like 100 bucks a month minimum just by adding ads which with the speed functionality with the Zoic now that there's no downside with that uh, I'm running a site on their name servers. I'm getting a page insight score of 99 out of 100 on desktop. So they've made my site faster by running ads on their platform. So um, so you've got to be diversified. If you're wanting to do this for longer term, then I think you have to start thinking and building additional traffic sources. If you're doing it to build up a new site and to flip after a couple of years, then you don't need to do this. But if you want to hold the assets longer term, you have to build a direct relationship with your, you have to build an audience. And I've done that with, with one site, a uh, very small authority site around funnels. I built a pretty big email list. I got over 10,000 email subscribers and that drove, in some, in some cases that drove the majority of the revenue. And so, yeah, I think it's time to reconsider all these different aspects and not be dependent on organic search traffic from Google. Obviously, that is that is the game that we are in. That is what a content site does. But if you can build an email list as well, if you lose your search traffic, at least you're able to generate revenue and figure out how to get that back. Because most Amazon associate sites you see listed in marketplaces, if they lose their search traffic, their revenue goes to zero. So you, you, yeah, you want to be less fragile and yeah, like having subscribers in, in, in whatever form, I think is, is for me, that's, that's the best business model that, that, you can, that you can have as a content site owner or, or a content creator. I, I think subscribers and potentially paying subscribers is, is the best model to, uh, to focus on longer term or, or at least to add as additional, you know, additional monetization channel and additional traffic channel as well. Yeah. Awesome. And are there any sort of keys that you look for in a niche or industry where you think, yes, there, there can be a community, we can build an email list, people will want to subscribe? Is, are there any like key aspects that you look for? I think that you can do this in any, any niche. Uh, I, I really do. But I think you, that you need to want to. So you're not going to build an audience and a community yourself as a site operator, as, as a web, as a content site builder, if you don't care about the niche that you're in, it, it just, it won't happen. So if you want to do this and you want to be, you know, more anti-fragile or trying to achieve the concept of, of anti-fragile, which is uh, reading um, Nassim's books uh, since the pandemic, then you should look to, to try and create an audience that, that can kind of carry you through, through, through bad times. And so like a Google update or like an Amazon update. So I, don't, I think you can do this in any niche, but you need to care about it. You need to be, you know, into the, 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 the subject matter. You need to be passionate about it. And so it's not for everyone. I mean, niche sites, affiliate sites, it's not going to go away. And you can just do the keyword research. You can outsource the content. You can outsource the link building and rank a site and, and flip a site. And, and that's perfectly viable. But if, you know, but you are at the, the, the two gods of, of Google and Am or Amazon, you know, if it's Amazon site, Google and Amazon by doing that. So if you don't, if you want to be able to sleep easier at night and hold these assets longer term, then building an email list, building an audience, getting returned visitors is, is the way to go. And the platform that I've chosen for this news newsletter is called Substack, and it's predominantly for writers and podcasters. But I can see the uh, I can see the ability to make a full time living creating publications like this, and actually not needing any of the technical stuff that comes with WordPress. Everything I'm doing now is on Substack. It's it's really refreshing. I, I think that anyone can create a full time living in any niche doing this now if you choose to to do so you, you just need to build up like a free uh, subscriber list a free email list first you need to get to you know one to two thousand email subscribers i think is a good place 
And then once people, you know, learn about you, value your content, like what you're doing, want to support you, you can create free, uh, you can create premium content, paid content, and a percentage of those people are going to go with you. And so with Substack, they say aim for 10%. Other platforms, it's like three to 5%. At the moment, 3% of my free subscribers are now converting into paid subscribers. But that's, I've only, I, I launched on Substack a, a few weeks ago. So that's now catching up. That's kind of rising quite, quite quickly. That will level out. But yeah, so with, with what I'm doing, I now have, I have companies sponsoring the newsletter. So I have ads. Um, I'm able to drop in affiliate links and I have a paid subscriber list as well. So there's three different types of monetization and I own those subscribers in, in terms of the, the Stripe account and it's not a Google play. Like I don't care about search traffic at all. It's, it's a brand play. It's an audience play and it's very refreshing. And I think there's a lot that could be learned by, by attempting this, even if, even if it's like, you don't consider it could be something completely different to what you're doing, building content sites, just find something that you're most passionate about and see if you can build an audience because by getting that skill and understand and learning how other people are monetizing their lists with, by creating paid subscribers, I think is a very valuable skill set that you can then apply to whatever website that you are, uh, that you want to build out and hold longer term. So, yeah, it's it's a whole new world. I've learned a lot, and it feels a very natural fit, and and I feel, you know, stronger than than ever. I, that no one can take away my audience, whereas Google and Amazon can take away your livelihood if you are dependent on them. So, overnight, yeah, I'd recommend badass. people look into that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and no, it's funny because like. Like we said, we, we've known each other for a few years here. And I was like, what, what is he doing? Like uh, content is free out there. You know, every, everyone's giving it away for free, but it definitely makes yeah. it a, you know, not valueless, but it's a commodity where people don't really pay attention to it. And I didn't, yeah, I didn't see the opportunity until just a couple of months ago. And now I see such a huge opportunity. It's, it's ridiculous for, for so many people. And so with the with the podcast, what I'm doing now is the first 30 minutes is free for the free RSS feed that everyone gets. And then after that, it's for paying subscribers. I saw the Acquired podcast, Acquired.fm, which is to do with venture capital. Uh, they were doing that. Uh, I've seen a couple of others doing that and thought, OK, this, this seems a pretty good way of doing it. You don't have to create additional content. You can just cut up the content that you're already creating and put part of it behind a paywall. And people are subscribing from it. Like I sent a podcast episode on Friday directly from that one post, five people signed up as paid subscribers. I assume because they wanted to hear the, the second part of the episode. So yeah, you need to really, yeah, content has been seen as, as free, but I think you can reconceptualize your content as the product going forward and not having to put out free content all the time in, in order to sell a course or in order to sell, you know, training or consultancy or services, the actual content can be the product that people value and will pay for. And yeah, just having done so much research and seen so many examples of people making five figures a month, just through a newsletter, through a podcast, through building a community. There's so many examples. I have like a massive trailer list and it's incredibly inspiring and yeah, a real alternative to to the grind. The, what can be a grind with you know churning out new sites? Yeah, yeah. Or and, and I'm just thinking like a like a no, normal uh, narcissistic person. I'm thinking, oh, how does this apply to me? Of course, but I'm thinking of all the content that I put out, which I en I mean I enjoy a lot. But I, I'll say something um, which I think it'll be okay. So we're 44 minutes in. YouTube mm -hmm. is really weird because there's so many distractions. There's a lot of morons on YouTube that watch like the first two minutes of my video, which if you're watching right. this now, you're not a moron. You're awesome. Thanks for watching. And then the podcast listeners, as you know, they're great. Podcast listeners are so engaged. I mean, I'm one myself and I love podcast yeah. in general. So it, it totally makes sense. And especially with the fact that there's so much content, if someone actually, you know, pay, how much is a subscription? 
Yeah, so I, I've priced it at forty nine dollars a month because the the offering that I was leading with was this deals newsletter. So every week I do research across the whole market and I create the best content site deals. That's pretty time intensive and pretty valuable. I get access to deals that other people would have to, you know, pay for membership access or pay for a deposit to get. So, you know, uh, I think a, a valuable thing. But if I were to do it again, I, I would have priced it slightly less and have uh, a much higher percentage of paying subscribers to free subscribers. But people who are just doing like podcasts, they, they typically charge 10 bucks a month. But if you have a look at substack.com slash discover, you'll see the top 25 publications. You'll see how many subscribers they have and what they charge in all different types of, of, um, of categories. And it really is possible to to get people paying for your for, for content that you're probably already putting out. And the beauty with tying everything in, together into a platform like Substack, and I think Substack is pretty unique, is that your free newsletter promotes your podcast. Everything kind of drives everything else. So the you get free subscribers because you're putting out a good weekly newsletter. Because of that, they then get they then receive your podcast episodes because every uh, post that you publish on Substack, it gets pushed out to the web and it gets pushed out to email. So people can share your newsletter on the web, which is amazing because normally when you send a newsletter, it gets lost. And people also then receive your, your audio content, which is just a post where you upload an MP3. It looks exactly the same. And everything just helps everything else. Everything grows everything else. Your email, your newsletter drives your podcast episodes. It's a great platform to be on. And there are, there are plenty of other alternatives as well. But I see a lot of people doing a lot of jointed efforts with, you know, blog content, newsletter, YouTube channel, podcast, different feeds. There's a lot of upside by bringing it all together. And people would be surprised how many people would be happy to, to support that. And once you kind of focus on one area and bring it all together, it's a lot more easily consumed and visible and, and obvious to people and you can demonstrate your value a lot better so like i'm not putting out any more content on my personal site now like my personal site my wordpress site that's kind of that's kind of done so it, it's interesting it, it's really because i've been you know seo guy for up to now but nothing i'm doing right now going forward is, is an seo play with with this publication but you can get these to, to very sizable you know revenue numbers and subscriber numbers. I mean, you know, the, the top newsletters that I follow, Morning Brew has 2 million subscribers. Last I heard, 20 million revenue. And that's just from from advertising. They don't have a paid, I don't think so, a paid part to that. Amazing. The Hustle newsletter has a paid part um, called Trends. But these can be really big businesses. And then they're doing nothing more than what you're already currently doing, what I was doing that, that I've now repackaged. It's kind of blown my mind that there's this opportunity that was not visible to me and, and a lot of other people are not seeing this, but this, yeah, it, I, this is, yeah. <laughs> well, it's blown. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Uh, it's so different from, you know, what we see where it's just like pump out content, free content, free content. But unfortunately everyone's doing that. Well, I guess one thing I want to ask is the, it sounds like it's fully integrated. So the email list is all on the same platform with the podcast platform and you can mm -hmm. build your email list, which you own like the name. So if you, if you thought, Hey, I'm going to go to some email service yep. provider and I'm, I want to go back to the old model, you could, is that accurate? Yeah. One, one click export, like literally you click a button, it immediately dumps the CSV into your downloads folder uh, folder. So, I mean, there's no waiting, there's no asking you own the subscriptions in Stripe. You can cancel everything would carry on. Um, I'm assuming <laughs> they're a platform. They, they support creators, you know, they, they want to support people. So I'm sure there's a way that you could e very easily take everything with you. Yeah, everything, everything's there. So yeah, it, it hosts your, your podcast. So I, I no longer pay for a email provider or I have no autoresponders. It's, it's very freeing, feels very free. The only software that I'm paying for now is, is Substack. I don't know, need SoundCloud or some podcast hosting or um, anything else. It's all integrated and you, you just unlock so much more value by having such a more concentrated, you know, place to, to be and place to be discovered as well and place to be shared. So everyone that shares a newsletter can find your podcast, can, you know, end up being a paying subscriber. Very so, cool. yeah, it's super cool. Like I had a conversation with Amelia Gardner recently, uh, like a couple of days ago about this and 
rambled on for a long time and kind of blew her mind, I think. And I think she's going to be considering doing something similar. I think a lot of people are going to be looking at this because you can just make a, you can build a much bigger audience way quicker and make a lot more money. However, we're talking about, you know, buying and selling websites. So let's not get too, too distracted, but there's a lot that you can learn from this. Yeah. Right. From these new platforms from, and, and from, and also just like considering what you're doing as being a publisher. I think there's a lot that you can learn from that. And so, you know, Zoic uh, ad network, um, ad, AI driven platform can, you know, considers their customers as publishers. And I don't think as site builders, we typically consider ourselves that way. And so I, I think you, you can kind of start to think a little bit differently and a, and a little bit more professionally and consider what you're doing more as a, as a publisher can lead you into more profitable areas and find other ways of, of monetizing and treating it as, as a business. Definitely. So, yeah. Yeah. And I think, well, it, it goes hand in hand, I think, cause a lot of people are, like they want to start a side hustle or like, do more. Some people have sites and they're already successful, but they want to, you know, talk about it and be in sort of influencers like us. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, there's a lot of different ways to do it. People can focus on whatever platform they want to, but Substack sounds very interesting and much different than, than what I've heard of in the past. So it's very cool. Where, where yeah. can people sign up for your free newsletter? Yeah. So it's, uh, well, it's pate.substack.com, so P-A-T-E-Y, but websiteinvesting.co will forward there. Um, so I've got some ideas in terms of, um, you know, names uh, and subdomains going forward. Substack at the moment, they don't have a custom domain that you can use. They used to offer that. I think at some time in the future, they will offer that again. Or I'm pretty sure if I can get into the top 25 publications, I'll be able to <laughs> ask them for that. But it's yeah, pate.substack.com or, or websiteinvesting.co. Um, we'll, we'll get you there. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Well, we will put links to all that stuff and thanks a lot, Richard, for hanging out with me today and any, I guess, final like parting advice for, you know, perhaps someone who hasn't bought their first site, but maybe they're thinking about it, um, coming up obviously in this weird time. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, just make sure that you are buying a site where the search traffic is at, if you're buying for the first time, make sure the search traffic is at least stable, ideally going up. You don't want to be buying a site where search traffic is trending down because it's way harder to try and reverse that. And potentially maybe there's a reason why it's going down and maybe you won't even be able to uh, turn that around. So um, that's the most important one. You need to make sure that that's the case in Google analytics and make sure traffic is, is well spread around. Backlink profile, you can do more to to optimize that. And um, if, if there are issues there, um, that can be corrected. Content quality can be upgraded as well. So, yeah, I, I would say how search traffic is doing, how the traffic is spread across, and whether you have a good feel and vibe with the seller. I, I think that's the most most important thing. Everything else can be corrected or or you can generate upside. Very cool. Thanks a lot, Richard. Have a great day over there. Thanks, Doug. Cheers. That was Richard Patey. And thanks a lot for checking out that episode. You should read his newsletter, go sign up, and you can check out his podcast as well. It's all linked up in the same, same area over there at Substack. So pretty cool platform that they're running over there. I did not even know it existed at all, but seems interesting. It'll be, it'll be cool to see, you know, where Richard goes with it and you know, how successful it is for him. I think it's a, it's an awesome business model. Cause I know just on the, you know, the podcast front and YouTube in general, we, I put out a lot of content and I know, you know, some of it's pretty good. I hope, but I know that some of it is, um, you know, very, you know, insider and I probably lose a few people when I go really deep on topics, but I also know those are the topics where the, the people that understand it, they really get into it. And I wonder if that is, is sort of an area where I can have sort of specialized content where I put a little more time into it and it is much deeper. You know, Richard talked a lot about the specific, things that he puts in his newsletter and why it's so valuable completely makes sense to me. And I think there's, there's potentially something there 
that I could work with as well. And I know, well, I don't want to ramble on too much about potential business shifts and ideas that I have, but on YouTube, they have the concept of memberships. So it's something that they've rolled out in the last couple of years and my channel is eligible for that, but I haven't pulled the trigger, but I could do potentially, you know, video obviously has a completely different format, a different audience. And I think video teardowns of specific websites could be interesting. That's some of the most popular content. People really like it, but it also takes a long time to put together. And it's sort of a thing where I don't necessarily want to go find random sites and audit them for public consumption. Not not a super nice thing to do because there's a lot of uh, details and stuff that I may talk about. So I usually only review sites that are public sites. There's only a handful of sort of public sites where, you know, I wouldn't be, you know, violating any sort of, uh, I don't know, code of conduct, some arbitrary code of conduct that I'm making up in my mind. But anyway, a lot of cool stuff out there. And I think I'm going to leave it at that for today. I do want to call for questions. I'm going to be doing some mailbag questions. You could leave a voicemail. You could shoot me an email. I have quite a few, you know, people have been sending in questions. I always get a kind of a flow of questions in each day. So great to get voicemails. If you want to leave me a voicemail, that's awesome. I think the time limit is three minutes for my voicemail service. It's just a Google voice account. So you, you call in, leave a voicemail, and then I'll be able to play it on the air. So if you, if you have any questions, even, I mean, the great part is, if you have the question, probably hundreds of other people have a question too. So go ahead and send it in. I'm going to try and put together a few episodes and usually give you a shout out, usually just first name, but you know who you are. Have a great day out there. We'll talk to you soon.